You are freer than you think. It's like the ultimate form of freedom. You expound upon that freedom to develop on this planet. True freedom comes from within. It's the ability. Thinking to myself, I can help you or I can destroy you. Man is a two-time felon. I work really hard and I've been a, I've been a life learner. When things are feeling tough, let yourself be surprised. The world favors risk-taking. Welcome. 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 To the Freedom Pact. Joe, what a pleasure. 200 episodes. 200 episodes, wow. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Man, how long have we been doing this for now? Um, I gotta think it's coming up on three years. I think, I, I know I have the exact date written down in my phone, but um, I'm pretty sure it was like July... 2018 i'm gonna say so we'd be coming up on three years now which is quite mad really fucking hell i don't know how we've done that mate i don't know how we've done that but what a ride so this is our 200th episode um so as you the listener would know you know lewis and me we very very rarely ever get together and do a solo episode so there'll be no guest in today's episode. We thought it could be a good idea to kind of look back on the last three years, talk about everything which has happened between episode 100 and episode 200. We did another uh, episode like this at episode 100. So every 100 episodes, good to just kind of look back, reflect on the journey, see where we're going in the future, you know, and uh, just... Have a good chat, you know, get two buddies together. So um, if you look back over the last 100 episodes, so that was 50 episodes I did, 50 episodes you did, yeah. um, 100 hours recorded content, um, <laughs> not including the episodes which never made it out. Well, there's plenty um, of them. And there's plenty of them. How do you look back over the last, what would it would have been, a year the last hundred episodes. How do you how do you reflect on that? Yeah, well, I was I was looking back over them last night. I was just I just went on the Spotify feed and I was scrolling through back to episode hundred, and it, I couldn't believe how long ago some of those episodes actually felt. Because um, right. there was names coming up, and I thought, wow, surely that was longer longer ago. Like hundred episodes has been a long time, and like you said, there's been so many episodes have been recorded that were never um never aired there's many that are in the ether i never will i never will (laughs) um so it's quite mad really um but this these episodes that stick out there's some episodes where i wish i did things differently but um yeah 100 solid episodes i would say i would say if you compared episodes zero to 100 and episodes 100 to 200 I'm very, very happy with the progression of conversation, skill, and guest. Um, because long-time listeners would remember that about the first, what was it, 20, 30 episodes, it was just you and me interviewing each other on topics that I'm not sure we were too maybe qualified at the time to be speaking as an expert <laughs> on, but we tried our best. So to go from that and now speaking to some of the the leading intellectuals in the world in those fields has been quite a quite a ride. Quite a ride. Do you 
still get nervous now interviewing guests compared to when you did at the start? How do your um, nerves compare? Well, um, not really. No, I don't. Just because, like you said, we've put just over the last hundred episodes. That's what hundred hours plus of 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 work. So if you, I think, if you stick at a craft that long, um, the nerves do go away. I will be honest. There are the one or two episodes that um i have got really nervous for if the guest means a lot to me um which i'm sure we're going to touch on on when we talk about standout uh, episodes but there's one or two that really make me nervous but generally no i don't get nervous anymore because i'm i'm probably at a state now where i just really enjoy them rather than probably having that imposter syndrome in the first maybe 100 episodes where i thought i've got no business speaking to um, people like this, whereas now I feel like I'm more than capable of 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 holding my own and giving value back. So, yeah, I don't think so. What about yourself? Well, you know, it's interesting because I would say something similar to you. I found that confidence has come from competence, right? The more mm. hours you put in, the more confident you get. What what I found towards the later end is as we kind of ventured away from the typical stuff which we were talking about you know uh business health uh mindset and we kind of veered off into politics that's where i would find myself getting nervous for those episodes yeah yeah, yeah. because i i you know this this was kind of a uncharted uh territory for us Definitely. uh but yeah but looking back it was interesting i remember early on definitely would would um Get nervous. I remember I did an interview with Patrick Bet David. I was I was I was worried for that. But but as as time has gone on, you know, I mean, uh, as as I I hope that it comes across as well because like in particularly from a hundred onwards, I've gone into a lot of these things kind of really kind of fearless, you know, and and that's that's worked well in some cases, but in in other cases, perhaps maybe I didn't prepare as well as I should have. Um, so it does kind of bring a complacency with her in, in that uh, aspect. There's kind of like a double-edged sword where it's like, you don't want to be too nervous. You also don't want to be too overconfident where you don't want to prepare. So I think, I think we're still finding our feet as we go, um, you know, and uh, there's still a long way to go. You know, we're 200 episodes deep, so many more to go, you know, we're, 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 we're here. We're not going anywhere. So if we look back, who were your favorite guests over the last hundred episodes? Well, I, th- I this is what I was thinking about last night. I think my favorite guests and my favorite episodes, content-wise, are very different. Mm. Um, but if we start with favorite guests, I think this is what I mean. When I was talking earlier about um, guests that I get nervous for, and I to this day, when I think about it, when I talk about it, I still can't believe. That these words are coming out of my mouth but i interviewed george st pierre now let me give you some context for people who aren't really aware of george st pierre is known you know as arguably the greatest ufc athlete of all time um just for a bit of personal i'm a massive fan of mma ufc um one of my favorite things on the planet and when i was in university so between 2004 14 to 2017 I had two posters on my wall through the three years the one poster was a quote from um, a tv show called the office 
the other post that I had on my wall was a poster of George St. Pierre uh, lifting the UFC championship into the air. And I used to use that poster for motivation to go to the gym. And I just, I was, he was just one of my all time heroes. And the fact that I got to interview George St. Pierre is absolutely staggering and probably still one of the, the best things I've ever done in my life. So that I was really nervous for that, but that was a standout guest for me because I just thought, what have we built? Like, how am I interviewing George St. Pierre? Um, so yeah, that was wild for me. So what about yourself? Well, I remember on the day that you interviewed GSP, I was, uh, I think I was over my local field and you were texting me, but you don't usually do before interviews and you say, man, I, I'm nervous. How do I play this type of thing? Yeah. Oh, it was a tough one because you have to get that balance between, you know, when you open Zoom and it says, George has joined the meeting. You get that sort of, oh my God, it's real. And then they pop up, but you've got to maintain that professionalism. But part of you, the fanboy is also trying to come out. So you've got to keep him pushed down. So yeah, it's quite a tough one. Have you had any moments like that? Um, I, I think that the highlight probably between uh, 100 to 200, well, there, there was two of them really. The first one was, when I interviewed General Stanley McChrystal, mm. who was a four-star general, he was the lead uh, of the tour, which ended up uh, capturing Saddam Hussein. And I remember sitting opposite him, and I was, I was in, I was in awe. And he was in, incredibly respectful, and he was, uh, he just had this persona to, to him. He was. He was phenomenal. I was really, really, really impressed with him. But then the other one was a night in uh, March this year when I, I spoke to the existential psychiatrist, Irvin Yalom, who is uh, 89 and who was very, very grateful to, to come on the show. Very hard to book him on the show, but, but we got him on there. And I spoke to him at seven till eight. And then I had a, a two-hour conversation with Robert Green from uh, nine to 11. And I remember, I think I said to you after those conversations, I, I said, man, I think this is one of the best days of my life. And, and I think, and I, I looking back, I think it was, you know, I mean, that was, that was fantastic. And more motivation, I think, for us to keep driving forward with this, try to make this thing uh, full time where yeah. we can just flood our days full of these things. Mm. So I would say, I would say probably Yalom and Green were big ones, but also there was a few other ones where I really, really liked. I liked, obviously I love Douglas Murray, mm. you know, who Douglas, if you're listening, you're welcome back. back. You're welcome <laughs> back. Uh, Stephen Pressfield, um, Rutger Brugman was, was very good. Um, Robert Cialdini I know you were a big fan of big big fan of uh, Cialdini again very very hard to get on the show but we how long we hounded him for probably since the dawn of the show maybe maybe three years and uh, we finally got him on so it does show the persistence pays there Um, who else was there it was it was definitely Stanley McChrystal was very impressive Yalom Douglas um, yeah, I would say they were probably the kind of, they were probably the standout ones for me mm. in that period. 
I would also, if we're just talking about sort of standout moments, I think you mentioned it there about obviously we're quite transparent. This isn't sort of full time. We do do other things um, alongside this. Obviously, I got a job and 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 you know we we do other things as well. So and it, and it is hard when you're trying to put out two episodes a week. Um, and that you know involves your research, um, your, your your scheduling, your, your preparation, your um, time management, and recording and editing and 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 producing and publishing is so is such a grind, and sometimes it's so easy to get to get burnt out. But for me, this is where the, some of the standout moments come in. Is that sort of recognition back? So I know obviously we have um, some lovely comments and emails. Obviously we've got. Uh, Grace, who always leaves a, a comment on the YouTube um, to let us know what, what she thinks. She'll comment on almost every video, and I appreciate that. She said um, I had nice skin. She said you had you, nice Grace. skin. She said I had nice um, skin. Thank you, Grace. <laughs> she does drink a lot of water. Um, um, but, yeah, obviously, and, and obviously, um, we got Dean, who, who will email often to, to give his thoughts on the episodes, and it, it really is those things. I think that make it easy to keep that grind going because it's so hard, easy to get sort of bogged down with the grind. And some days, you know, you feel like, oh, I, can I do this week? And I know that's a quite a privileged thing to, to, to say, but you know, it is a grind, but when you get those recognition back or someone says you've impacted their, their day or their life or whatever, that is the most meaningful part of it. Um, and in that spirit, anybody who comments on this video below, whether it's you know Grace or anyone that comments on the YouTube version of this video, comment whatever. I'm, I'll send you something. I'll send you a book. I'll send. I'll send you something physical copy of value because I appreciate it so much. So comment something below, and um, I'll get in touch and I'll send you something just out of appreciation. So they would probably be my standout moments. Um, the guests and and those comments but if we're talking favorite episodes content wise and the conversations are your answers still the same oh well content wise the huberman episode um but i i, I you'll have to forgive me because i can't remember if he was between 100 to 200 uh i think he may have been Right at the beginning of Corona, so Maybe I'm tempted to think, yeah, yeah, he I may, so. he may have, may or may not made it. But we just released a very good one actually with Marissa Pier. Mm. That was uh, very good. Um, in terms of the content, I loved the Susani Asenza one. Okay, she was, she was absolutely brilliant, and, and I always love when you're sitting opposite someone and you think that this person is open to being asked anything, like. We've had guests come on the show that have tried to uh, not only bring across their own agenda, but but bring across the the questions which we ask them. That's mm. not going to run on our show, <laughs> you know. You come on, you, you you're going to answer. Well, you know, we're, we're going to yeah, have a conversation. I mean, that's what you sign up for yeah. if you want to promote your book. We'll do that, but but we're bringing you on because we want to have a chat to you, you know. And to bring value to the audience first and foremost before we try and plug your book. Right. And and also, you know, what, what you usually find, like this is a fallacy, I think, that that a lot of um, 
people which have tried that have come on the show where they'll come on and they'll be so eager to push their agenda. I don't know mm-hmm. about you, but I'm a, I'm as a listener myself. If I'm sitting there and someone's going and you ask them a, a most basic question, or how was your day? And they say, Oh yeah, my my day was great. I talk all about her in chapter three of my book. Ah. Oh. That that absolutely drives me nuts. That That's absolutely... a one-way ticket to not get your episode <laughs> released. Yes. Because you ask a question and, like you said, they say, well, I'd encourage your listeners to check out Chapter 5 where I talk about this in detail. And I'm saying, well, tell us in detail. Right, right, right. And the, audi- the audience know this. You know, we are mm. very lucky. You look at some of the comments we got. I mean, I, I sent you a screenshot the other day of one YouTube comment. And... and this this was a, a dissertation. I mean, we have a very, very educated audience. We have oh, a very, sure. very uh, moderate, very, very smart, very intelligent audience. You know, people down the local pub, they, they're not tuning into the Freedom Pack. You <laughs> no, know, nothing, but... <laughs> nothing's getting by the people that tune into this show. Like, they're, they're hyper aware. Hyper aware. And, you know, and I think that we've done... A, a good job, I would say, of trying to bring people on which will do that, you know, which are not in a kind of over-commercial mode because that is something which which I, I hear on podcasts and, and I have to say, as a listener, it just makes me clock out. Mm. And, and even as a fan of podcasts, one thing which you and me made a very careful decision about doing was that we decided that we didn't want to kind of over-commercialize the show or... Uh, buy this merch, donate affiliate to our marketing. affiliate marketing, donate to our Patreon. You know, <laughs> we want to be a show that puts money in our listeners' pockets, not takes it away from them. And, you know, I I, I, I love it. You know, it's our baby. And uh, it's our baby. So I think in terms of <clears throat> episodes content-wise, this is where my answer started. Definitely. Obviously, I said George St. Pierre was my standout. Um, episode just for my own what it meant to me personally but content wise I think three episodes stand out to me um, the first one Darren O'Lean um, right a lot of people may know him from Down to Earth with Zach Efron on, on Netflix and obviously wrote the book Super Life and I've been a fan of Darren O'Lean for well, quite a while now and I even talked to him in the episode when I watched that show on Netflix I started going out and lit the picking every Sunday. I know I text you and let you know I was uh, doing that at the time. And and I'd been trying to get Darren on the show for, God, I must have sent Darren 50 emails over the last two years. Um, if someone from GDPR is listening to this, then, you know, <laughs> we're very sorry. <laughs> well, he never requested to opt out, so we're fine. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so that... When I finally got Darren on, I was just hoping he would live up to, and he did, and everything and more. I mean, one of those, I think the answer that we both took from that was this idea of you've, you've got to do the work, um, you know, stop looking for that easy, quick fix, and that people just don't want to do the work, and that's what separates a lot of people, is people who are willing to put in the work. So content-wise, that was a phenomenal one. And the other two that probably stick out, um, similar to your Irving Yalom conversation, I had uh, John Butler um, deep into his 80s at this point, but just sharp as a tact and full of wisdom. And I, I, I it was a short conversation, um, 
but I, I remember just sitting right here and just being in awe of the guy as he spoke and, and hanging on his every word. And Donald Robertson, because stoicism is, is a massive, um, you know, it's one of my favorite things to study. But what I liked about Donald is he made it applicable to the modern world. Um, so there were, they, they would be my, my three standout episodes. Content-wise is Darren O'Lean, John Butler, Donald Robertson. Um, so in that vein, let me ask you, are there any specific lessons or answers that have stuck out with you and have you've carried with you through everyday life now? Well, one thing comes to my mind, and I'll give, I'll give a bit of a background story, an insider scoop for those that are listening. So we hosted Paul Check on the show, right? Now, Paul Check, who was a guy that I, I wanted to get on the show, uh, for quite a long time. I, I think we were in talks with him for quite a while. It was, it was pretty difficult to get him on, but eventually we got him on the show. Um, and this was, I think, roughly during the time that, that COVID-19 was just starting. Um, anyway, Paul is is a, a brilliant, brilliant thinker. But um, I think that he's known for being quite outspoken. Absolutely. Now, now this was like around the time that everybody um, was getting demolished by big tech for saying anything COVID-19 related. Um, You know, censorship was out in flow. We had just seen uh, Brian Rose over at London real get his channel um, uh, demonetized. They took down his interviews with um, the, with David Icke. So anyway, so I bring on Paul Check to talk about his uh, book about health. And um, it was a fantastic, fantastic conversation. The The interview ran about an hour and a half, but it kind of descended into chaos. It descended into the chaos. We probably had to crop out about 28 minutes of it. Because I, if I had left those 28 minutes of the conversation, our channel would have been taken down. It was, it was, I, I won't reveal what he said, but it, it was by, by the, by the intellectual authoritarians at uh, YouTube, they would have, they would have snatched the, the channel down without a question. Sure. But, but anyway, but outside of that, um, and it's a shame that it's like that, by the way, because, you know, we, we are the freedom pack. We, we won, you know, and I think we've done a good job of, of, bringing a, a, a wide variety of perspectives on. Definitely. But that, I just knew it was, it was, it was the girl challenge. It was too far. It was too far, yeah. But anyway, um, in that episode, I mean, he gives some fantastic uh, episode. He gives some fantastic uh, nuggets throughout about his four doctors, which mm. I think I, I irritated you with when I kept saying to you, Doc, uh, Dr. Uh, I can't even remember the word. Doctor, now, so I doctor sleep. There's doctor. What was it? it was doc, doctor movement. Doctor yeah. movement. <laughs> doctor quiet. Doctor happy. Yeah. Oh, that was That's it. It was right. doctor diet. Doctor quiet. Doctor movement and doctor happiness. The only That's four it. doctors you'll ever need. You'll ever need. Yeah. And I, I loved how he, he kind of uh, reduced health down to these four uh, principles. I think that. Um, like looking back o- over the the run, there were so many good things which I could pick out. General Stanley McChrystal talking about why students and young people should write their own obituary. Sure. Uh, well, we both had a go at that. 
We both had to go there. Irvin Yalom, very, very bravely coming on the show, who, as we said, was 89, talking about the passing of his wife that he had mm. known for 74 years. I mean, he shed tears in the, the interview. It was very, very mm. emotional. Douglas Murray came on the show talking about kind of why we need to be brave. Um, and I think that that, that interview actually really had a, big, um, it had a big impact on us. Because I think that that was the moment where we kind of stuck our foot down and said, you know what, we can't let, to quote Brian Callan, these bad ideas kind of take over. And we do need to be brave and stand up for freedom of speech, stand up for freedom of inquiry. Uh, Talk about kind of the loss of rationality, common sense. Look, we did get a bit of criticism for that episode, but, but I loved speaking to Douglas. We don't want to be an echo chamber. Um, Robert Cialdini came on talking about the psychology of influence. Um, he'd sold what six, seven million books, you know, a psychology legend, how to nail job interviews, how to have better relationships. Rutger Brugman came on, uh, talking about how things are actually better than they seem from an evolutionary point of view. Stephen Pressfield, the war of art, we had we had Stephen Pressfield on. Who they, they told me no a few times, but, but then he came on. Seth Godin came on the show. Imagine that. How did we get Seth Godin I on the show? I can see his book behind yeah, me I on the shelf. Yeah, yeah. I don't, know, I don't know how we got Seth Godin on the show, but, but he came on. Um, and then obviously we had, we had Robert Green on, you know, who, who was up, been on the show for, for two times. Um, I, and what I loved about that episode is we were discussing timeless things, how to deal with existential thoughts, how to deal with loneliness, love relationships someone could tune into that episode in a hundred years and all the information in there would be the exact same as it is today you could you could go back a thousand years and it, it would be the same thing so i think that you know the the kind of biggest names obviously we had seth was was a monster really i mean what was he, he was a 21 times best-selling author and, and i think that when you get to kind of that level of guest, then it's it's a good place. And interestingly, a question which we had was, would we do it all again? Would we start now and do it all again? I think with how many podcasts there are in the world right now, I think that it would be tough to start this again and get to where we are. I mean, right now we've obviously got a lot of leverage, you know, millions of downloads. So it's, it's a lot easier for us to do yeah. something. I think I read now that the average podcast only gets three episodes. Wow. They only release three episodes. Well, well I remember when, when we started, mm. um, the figure was 13 episodes before someone quits a podcast. And that was, what, three years ago. So that shows you the trajectory of, of how many um, people are having a go at it because it is a great medium. Without question. And um, I, th- I think that it's, it's so tough to start a podcast now. There's oh. so, 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 so many podcasts coming into the space. And I think that, that that's also another reason why you and I pivoted and we really went hard on the YouTube because we kind of saw that YouTube, for all the criticism which it does get about, you know, being an echo chamber and this, that and the other, which I, I think in some cases is warranted. I think that it's also a brilliant platform like, think about it. They market your content and they pay you for it. What, what a phenomenal business model. 
So, um, yeah, so I, I would throw it back to you and say, if you, if you look back through the 100 episodes, the last 100 episodes, what are some lessons or some answers that you've had which have kind of resonated with you? Well, to bring it back to old Paul Checks, Mr. Dr. Quiet for there, um, John Butler, when he said to me to speak less and listen more, um, that was a big one for me because obviously we're in a world now, you mentioned it with podcasts, attention has become the sort of, it's the new gold, you know? If you've got right. people's attention, you can monetize that, you, you know? Attention is so, everyone wants attention. So everyone's speaking, everyone wants to get their two cents in. No one's listening anymore. So when we're speaking and not listening, obviously we're not listening to each other. We're not learning as much, but we're also not listening to, to nature. And you lose your awareness of the world around you when you're just speaking all the time. You so, you know, you become so into yourself that you know you lose the awareness of the surrounding world. And that reminded me of something I read in a book. Uh, I think it was, it might be Jay Shetty. Um, I do have opinions on Jay Shetty, but uh, maybe this was the one thing I liked from his book. Um, it's this idea of that if you think of a piece of music and you think of what notes are, it's not the notes that give you the beautiful melody. Because if you just had notes, all you would hear is just constantly but it's the space in between the notes. Right. So dun, 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 it's the space that actually brings the melody to the song. So it's not the notes that are the beautiful part. It's the silence. It's the, the absence of notes. And I think that was a, a beautiful way to um, look at what John was saying there, in that sometimes when you step back from all the, the noise and all the, the hustle and bustle and just take a step back and listen objectively that's where you'll find a lot of the beauty in life and a lot of the the better part so that's something i've been conscious of um and also and- i mean just on that point i mean victor frankl talked about this in man's search for meaning where he said that in between stimulus and response which is your music metaphor in between the notes then that's where you have a lot of freedom like we think that we something bad happens and we automatically have to re- respond to it, right? This mm. is one thing where I think that we've definitely learned over the course of the show, that we have the power in between those things to consciously choose how we want to respond to something. And uh, I, li- I like that metaphor. I like it a lot. Another one would probably be um, Donald Robertson. Obviously, I love Stoicism. I've got yeah. all of the, the Seneca collection, the Marcus Aurelius upstairs in my room. Um, but one thing I was talking to him about was obviously anger. We live in a very angry world now. It's, it's, it's a lot angrier than it, it ever has been, I think. You know, you just log on to Twitter and it's just a cesspool of anger and hate. And so I, his job is to bring stoicism into the modern world. So I asked him about the stoicism approach to anger. And he, he pointed out that oh, he's a psychotherapist, by the way, um, Donald Robinson. So he pointed out that when, when you're angry, your brain goes into literally, your brain literally goes into a different stage of, a different state of functioning. Um, you know, 
and your brain becomes terrible at things like decision making, problem solving, creative thinking. Um, the way that you weigh up risk is completely skewered when you're angry. Like you're not thinking rationally. And it's this idea of just being conscious that that is a thing and that being able to bring that consciously to yourself when you're angry and thinking, right, I know I'm really angry at this situation, but I could say something that I'm going to regret here. I could make a terrible decision. I could take a risk that would really unlikely to pay off and that I would never take in this state of mind. So it's about stepping back objectively, being conscious of that, just waiting until your brain function returns. And he related it back to this, Marcus Aurelius um, talked about this cognitive distancing. That was one of his tips in terms of anger. And it's this thing that it's not the things that upset us, it's our opinion of the things. It's the, our opinions of, of, of those. And again, I think that just perfectly reiterates and that little stoicism, as you mentioned, their timeless wisdom that is backed up by psychotherapists today. Like there's research, there's research on that and it's just stepping back objectively. And that's something I've been really trying to, because especially in this last year with, with lockdown and things like that, I've become quite irritated and, I've just learned to sort of, whenever I feel those emotions, just to step back, remove myself and come back to it at a, at a later time when my brain function returns. So that was a really big one. It's hard for me to do that because I'm a Man United fan. <laughs> I'm angry a lot. One other one I had um, is, it comes from both, Goranga Das and Gogopal Das. Um, earlier but, this year, they, well, we did back to back. I think was that's what I was to about back? to say. Yeah, back yeah. to back. Yeah. So back to, that was crazy because they did back to back episodes with probably the two most influential monks on on planet Earth. Yeah, obviously Gogopal Das has, has taken this sort of monk wisdom and now thrown it into the mainstream. I mean, you rock on his social media, and he is just an absolute phenomena. Um, and then obviously you've got Goranga Das, who's similarly taken that path. But this is the guy that taught, uh, this was Jay Shetty's monk teacher. You know, this is the guy that, that, that taught Jay Shetty. And they both speak about living to serve. Um, and now when you think about that, like you take that lesson and you think, okay, so does that mean I have to volunteer at the soup kitchen or, you know, something like that? But that's not what they meant. Like they, they talked about, serving like it can be your definition of serving so even if you're making money even if you profit and even if you're bene benefiting from it so say this podcast for example we, we make money from it but we're still giving value with you know giving content we're giving lessons we're impacting lives and so to me that defines my version of serving and yeah. if you live if you live to serve, then you're going to be able to, you know, have more comfortable internal conversations with yourself. You're going to rest a bit easier at night. You're going to feel a bit better about yourself. And so it's defining what, what serving means to you. And if you live a life where you serve a lot, you're going to be a lot more internally happy. So that's something I took from, from those back-to-back -back monk episodes, as you said. I, 
I agree with you wholeheartedly. And this was something which I've spoken to with a uh, a mutual friend about. And without question, you know, whenever I feel uh, feel sad, I feel down. That's the question which I I ask myself: How can I go and help someone else? And that's uh, an instant mood booster. There's evolutionary reasons behind it. We are wired to contribute. We're wired to help each other. You know, if as cliche as it sounds, it's true. Like if you want to be happy, go and make someone else happy. Mm-hmm. And I'll give, I'll give a, a kind of granular lesson on this. I remember a couple of months back, I was in, um, I was buying a, a coffee in McDonald's and I was going around the drive through and someone in front of me, by the time I got the window, someone in front of me, had paid for it, like the cashier oh, wow. said, this this is paid for. And I remember thinking, like, this person didn't know what I ordered. They, they just paid for it. I could have ordered 10 Big Mac meals. And uh, they bought it. And, and that that is, I think, what they call, you know, pay it forward. It's like a yeah. chain. And I remember thinking to myself that kind of on the show we've talked about how do you, quote, unquote, heal a broken society? Well, I'll tell you how you make a, a broken site even worse is if someone does that for you and then you don't carry that chain on. For sure. Right? That was a, a moral weight that I had to carry that I had to go and pay that on to someone else. And I did. Yeah. And I felt very good after I did it. Was it 10 Big Mac meals though? No, this was actually... Uh, it was, it was it was substantially more than they paid for me, but, you know. There we go. But you kept yeah. the chain going. I kept the chain going. And do you know what? And I remember thinking to myself, what that next person does after me, if they break the chain, that's on them. But I've done my part. You've done your part. I've done my part, right? And then maybe in the future, maybe I'll go and start up another chain. And just by those little acts of kindness that I think that we can, as you say, heal a broken society so i agree service is very powerful so we talked a lot about lessons throughout the last hundred but i'm interested because obviously we've we mentioned me and you very rarely get to do these these catch-ups um yeah in this sense anyway in this context obviously that we're, we're best friends outside of this but in this context what are some big lessons some big takeaways some big home hitters that you found through your personal study, maybe it's books, maybe it's courses, anything. What are some big hitters for you? Outside of the podcast, no. Outside of the podcast, maybe something you've read recently, maybe a, uh, something that's happened, maybe there's an experience. Right. What can you bring to us? Um, I think that we need to become cognizant of where our desire for self-improvement comes from. Mm. And... I think that going back maybe three to four years, my desire for self-improvement, for wanting to continuously upgrade and improve myself, deep down came from a place of insufficiency. It came from a place of I don't like myself. And I think that it's so easy in this space to intellectually masturbate over books, at seminars, over YouTube videos. And the reason for that is that it's kind of like a procrastination um, 
it's, it's a form of procrastination because if we say to ourselves, well, if only I read the next a thousand books on my shelf, if only my business reaches a hundred thousand dollars a month, if only I get a six pack abs, then I'll like myself, okay. then I'll do this. But the issue with that is that often these things never come. But we've tricked ourselves into saying that, okay, although I don't like myself now, in the future, maybe I will get to a place where I do it. But again, mm. it's attached to an external goal. And one thing that I, I did, I would say probably in the last 12 to 14 months, definitely in that period, was that I kind of started to not see myself so much as malleable. You and me, we've talked on the show a lot about how, um, you know, really malleable we are, right? That if if we want something, we can go, we can go and get, we can form ourselves into something. And, and there's definitely something in there. You know, if you look at, say, Steven Pinker's blank slate, then probably about 50% of us are, are predetermined from, say, genes or past experiences. Then we've probably got about 50% malleability so absolutely there's a whole lot of room to improve but i think that the problem comes where we see ourselves as this thing as this kind of uh broken person that needs to be molded that needs to be constantly fixed and this is where i think the self-improvement movement does get a bit toxic right so i would say that the first thing is, is that when you say to yourself, I want to change this about myself, I would say, what place are you coming at it from? Is this from a place of sufficiency or is this from a place of deeper rooted insecurity? And for me, that was, it was quite a painful thing, but I would say mm. I definitely got a lot better. And interestingly now that I would say, I mean, I'm much, 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 more stable, compassionate place in my life towards myself, that I notice that the changes are much longer lasting. And I think mm. that perhaps you've noticed that in me too, I would say. For sure. Def definitely. I mean, you're a different man. and It's interesting really that this is what you've come with because um, I'm going to carry on from that with maybe one of mine that just think couples it perfectly on everything you've just said there and i swear to god this isn't predetermined we've both, i had no idea what you were coming with you had no right. idea where i was coming with right. but mine um is this quote from t.s Eliot. okay i think you know what one i'm going to say but it's, it is we shall not cease from exploration and the end of all our exploring will be to arrive where we started and know the place for the first this time. time. Beautiful. So that is that is a quote that is really popular among the topic of space exploration. It's this idea that I mean, I, I think I first heard Brian Cox talk about it. I've heard Neil deGrasse Tyson. It's this idea that you know to understand our planet, to understand where we're from, it takes going to the other end of the universe to find out all these crazy things to explore all these planets just to find out more about where we came from. And that's how I've sort of started to apply personal development now. Like you can read all the books on any subject you want and get a far away from in, you know, your internal, explore these external factors of personal development. 
but you can do all that and ultimately you do all that just to bring you back to find out you know where we started and 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 yourself and and understand that for the first time so that was mine and that was the way i now view personal development and i think that what you just said there beforehand is is really beautiful and and couples that perfectly so um yeah it's a really beautiful quote and i when you posted on instagram the other day i sent you a picture and i said i love this quote you know i Mm. i i really do I love it. You view it in the same, like, does that quote mean the same thing to you as, as the, because I think most popularly it is known for like space exploration. But when I saw it, when I heard it, I instantly thought of personal development. Did you, did you have the same experience? I think so. I think so. I think that, you know, if you look at kind of like the nature of a human life, then very young, we're kind of like this free spirit. And then, mm. you know, we have all the burdens of adulthood. We're, we're burdened down with bills and mortgages and roles and masks, which we have to wear. And then we kind of go on this journey of exploring through life. And then hopefully towards the end, we end up at the same place mm. where we were at the beginning. <laughs> it's uh, it's a crazy thing being alive. I think as well, it's worth pointing out when you said masks, we have to wear, you meant metaphorically. Yes. Yes. Metaphorically. <laughs> metaphorically, yes. Um, <laughs> one other um i don't want youtube to take down our channel so i'm gonna have to be careful this isn't paul jack um (laughs) the the other thing i think from my personal study the last thing i'll mention from personal study is i've recently read beyond order 12 more rules for life by come on the show jordan come on the the show and maybe i'll mention him again when we get to our dream guests at the end of the show but it was rule three in this book that stuck out to me. I think on the whole, I preferred uh, the original 12 rules for life, but in Beyond Order, um, rule three stuck out to me. And the rule was do not hide unwanted things in the fog. Yeah. So it's this idea that if you pile up enough junk in your closet, the one day when you're least expecting, when you're least prepared, that closet's going to just swing open. And you're just going to be buried in all that junk. So, you know, if, if there are difficult conversations that you know you need to have with a friend or a family member, or there are, you know, there's problems that need fixing, there's um, errands that need to be run, there's, you know, um, steps that need to be taken, there's meetings that need to be had. And you, you're that type of person that keeps saying, well, I don't need to do it right now. I'll, I'll deal with it when I'm, when I'm ready. I'll deal with it when I'm more prepared and you just keep pouring these problems away in the closet or as Jordan says, you're hiding them in the fog. You're hiding them in the fog. You can't see them. They're out of sight. They're out of mind. And one day that fog's going to clear and you're going to be forced to sort of run head first in, uh, uh, into all these things that you've been tucking away. And you're going to be, it's going to be at the moment where you're least prepared to deal with them. And it's going to come back and haunt you. And you're going to think, you know, we're leaving things hidden in the fog originally to avoid the discomfort of confronting them. That will be of no solace to you when it comes to facing them all at the same time, you know, when your life descends into chaos. So I've become, you know, more conscious of tackling things when I can tackle them originally rather than 
as Jordan says, hiding them in the fog. And, and that's probably the biggest lesson I've taken away from my own personal study. And I think that that goes back to David Allen's getting things done. We can have like a razor sharp cognitive performance, but it's this ambient anxiety. It's this background. It's like this noise in the background all the time. Oh, pick up this drawer, you know, pick up those socks, go and clean those dishes, do this, do this, do this. It's all these things in the background, as you say, in the fog, which is kind of really what like gets to us, is what burdens us down. Death by a thousand cuts. Good rule for this. If it takes less than two minutes to do, do it right away. And uh, that's something which I've uh, implemented. Very good strategy. I commend it. Yeah. So don't leave those empty water bottles or or teacups up in your room when they all compile into about 20 and you've got to bring them all down at once. Um, I think that's the, that's the most re- relatable example. Um, it's interesting that we touched on Jordan Peterson, obviously 12 rules for life. He's done 24 rules for life at this point. I've asked Dave Rubin this question, but I'll ask us, you know, I'll ask us. Yeah. Do you have a rule for life? Well, I think we've talked a lot about, um, you know, on the show, we talked a lot about, you know, kind of existentialism. We've talked a lot about, um, you know, dealing with negative thoughts, about finding purpose and meaning. So I'm going to throw one at you from uh, left field. Okay. And I'm going to go in the health space. Well. And uh, the reason I'm going to do this is because I just think that that there is a, a wealth of information out there in terms of, you know, wisdom, in terms of, say, the science of building a business. But when it comes to, say, things like health and nutrition, it's a very, very tribal, it's a very divided field. Hmm. You know, you've got people floating the keto diet, the carnivore diet, the Mediterranean diet. There's all these various types of diet. It's very confusing. So I think that the best person that I found um, in this to really simplify things is Michael Pollan. Again, Michael, if you're listening, come on the show. I'm sure he's Uh, listening. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's a subscriber, Michael Pond. Hi, Michael. But yeah, but anyway, but Michael Pond said that the greatest predictor of longevity is not necessarily what you eat, but is who cooks the meal and where. So if you take an organizational meal, thing, I don't know, a, a McDonald's or you go to Starbucks and have a meal, that's an organization cooking it. But if you take the ingredients, you go and buy yourself some tomatoes or a steak or uh, some salmon or some tofu, and you cook it in your own home, then you are preparing that meal yourself. And he said that the greatest predictor of longevity, not necessarily is what we eat, but who cooks your own way. Now, you know, I'm not a medical doctor, but I have to say I, I thoroughly agree with him on this point. So that would be my rule. Cook your own food. Love it. What about you? My my rule for life, um, probably I think it is to determine the cost effectiveness of fear. So, um, 
I'm a big believer in the fact that you 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 owe it to yourself. I think everyone owes it to themselves to run full pelt at their dream, their goal, their vision, in spite of fear of what, other, of what others think. Um, I, I've mentioned multiple times. I mentioned in in my last episode I did with with Alpha M that the that the Freedom Pack started three years ago. I wanted to start something like this six years ago when I was in university, and I made a I made a video. Um, I put it on YouTube. It had like two views, and I didn't tell my anyone about it. I tried to hide it, and I woke up one morning and I just I I remember it. I just opened my phone. And the uni group chat was just flooded with screenshots, videos, banter. And I was the butt of all jokes for like, you know, a month straight. And I just thought, oh, man, everyone's laughing at me. Um, Delete the video. um, Wipe the trace of the video. I'm never doing that again. And obviously, it wasn't until years later that we actually, you know, I actually got into this space again. But I wanted to do a lot of time ago. And, you know, it was that fear of being laughed at that really stopped me from, from doing it. And if I didn't get over that fear, we would never be doing this now. Like I would never do that. And I would never have, like I said at the top of the show, I would never have interviewed George St. Pierre if I let people laugh at me when I had two views on a video. Or, and, and I'm a big believer in the fact that that has probably deprived the world of some of the greatest potential thinkers that we would have ever had. I think... But- fear of you know someone being scared of what other people think is probably deprived of, of multiple Nobel Prize winners, Hollywood A-listers, uh, presidents, authors. I bet the num you know what could have been the number one podcast in the world never existed or never will exist because somebody out there right now is doing a job they hate because they never tried to do that podcast they wanted to start because they were worried about what people thought. And I just think you've got to weigh up and think you're probably going to get laughed at. Like, no matter what you do, I think we live in that type of world where people are, I don't know if it's out of spite or jealousy or, or whatever, but people are always going to laugh at you when you try something new. Like, it's going to happen whether you want to go to acting school or you want to paint or try and start a business. People are going to laugh at you because, probably because they know they're too scared to give it a go themselves. Yeah. But you've got to determine where what what what's worth more. People not laughing at you or you achieving your dream. Like you've got to work out whether your dream means more to you than a few people laughing and making fun of you at the start. Um and also I think you know nobody really cares as, as much as what you think. Like everyone's focused on themselves. Um, I think you know we 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 worry a bit too much about what other people think. So that would be my rule for life is to sort of weigh up that that cost effectiveness and determine what means more your goal or, or your fear of people laughing at you that would be my my rule for life seth godin when he came on the show seth is this 21 times new york best selling author multi multi-millionaire huge in the business space and i said to him after we'd finished recording did you have kind of any advice for me as a host any ways in which i could get better and he said to me, make a podcast that nobody else can make. Make a podcast that nobody else can make. And I think that that's really great advice because all too often we forget that we have a 
unique subset of genes. We have a unique microbiome. We have a unique fingerprint. Uh, we have a unique psychological makeup, right? But yet, time and time again, we regress to the normal. We're afraid of, of our uniqueness. We're afraid that we won't fit in. We're afraid of our natural talents. And I think that this is such a shame. And I spoke about this with Zev Weinstein. And he said that we, we are really, really bad at nurturing our own rough edges. And I think to myself, kind of to the point you were making, that if you are who you are, there's somebody out there that will fall in love with you. Now, perhaps not as many people will like you if you are pretending to be, you know, normal, fitting in, people pleasing. But what you will do is you will polarize in such a way that for the people that you are for, for your smallest viable audience, they will love you, right? Then you should go and find them. And don't worry about the people which don't like you because you are not for them. Um, and I think that, that that's, that's one thing that, you know, particularly on this show, perhaps we need to do more of that. Mm. Perhaps we do need to kind of embrace more of our, our uniqueness, our individual stories. And I think it's a really great message. You know, we, we are far too concerned with what other people think. We have unique makeups. We have unique um, uh, psychological abilities and talents and, and dreams. And yeah, as you say, we need to, we need to nurture. A beautiful way to, to tie a bow on what we were just talking about. Um, really, really lovely stuff. The, I guess the last place to probably leave it. Um, obviously this is, we've had a conversation between episodes 100 and 200. Um, if we're looking forward to 200 to 300, when we're having this conversation next time, who are some dream names that you hope that we're talking about that we've interviewed between episodes 200 and 300? Um, and let's not put a limit on it. Give me some big names. Jordan Peterson. Hmm. Um, Jordan Peterson, I would love to host Eric Weinstein. Sam Harris, Michael Pollan, um, I would host Tim Ferriss, Lewis House. He's welcome on anytime. We do like Lewis House here. Um, ben Shapiro. Wow. I would like to have Ben Shapiro on. Um, I'll leave that one to you. <laughs> ben Shapiro, I'd have Shapiro on. Um, Jonathan Haidt, hmm. a man we, we've tried for many times. We're going to keep pounding Mr. Haidt. Um, who else would I like to have? Piers Morgan. Hmm. I'd have Piers Morgan on the show. Um, Andrew Huberman again. Hmm. I'd like to have Huberman back. Um, who am I missing? 
I think I'll I think I'll leave it at that. What about you? Yeah, and let's not say that obviously these are all people that we hundred percent agree with with their views because as people know, I mean we've mentioned that we we you know we've had Douglas Murray, but then we've had a a um Rutger Bregman. Like this week I sent out emails for Michael Malice and Ed Miliband. Like, you know, we trace yeah. the spectrum of of opinion and thought. Um so my dream guests, I think someone I've been listening to a lot lately, someone who just brings unbelievable wisdom. Um, yeah, it's just brought out a sort of pay-per-view version of a podcast with Sam Harris, Ricky Gervais. Um, one of my favorite, favorite people to listen to, like an extremely um, poetic person in the way that he, he, he relates topics to the everyday person. Does he um, do many podcasts, Gervais? I mean, he's he's done Sam Harris's multiple times. He's done yeah. Russell Brands. Right. Um, you know, he he's done um, the True Geordie. He's done oh, the Jack right. Mate podcast. So he's done a few podcasts. He's, a few, I would, right? yeah. he's one of my maybe my dream guest is Ricky Gervais. Um, obviously, is you know is is very good friend Sam Harris. I would um I would love to speak to Sam Harris. I'm a big fan of Sam Harris. Um. His book, The Moral Landscape, is is one of my favorite books. Um, and then there's just some other dream guests I'll reel off you. Um, Russell Brand, uh, Brian May, Killian Murphy, uh, Brian Cox, Jordan Peterson, Michael Phelps, Lewis Howes. And I'll say it every time until he comes on. The man that started everything for me and you, the man that when we were about 15, 16 years old, really brought both of us into the personal development space. Eric Thomas, till the day you're not on this planet anymore, I will hound you. We need you on this. We need to bring this thing full circle. So Eric Thomas, E.T., the hip hop preacher, um, is, is a massive one. And one that I would probably say as well, is obviously we've moved away from the sort of typical um, personal development space. And, I, you know, I recently spoke to Alpha M about this toxic hustle culture. And one guy that I've been hounding and I've, and I know he reads him because I've, I've sent him a message on Snapchat every two months for the last three years is <laughs> Gary Vaynerchuk, Gary V himself, uh, Mr. Hustle. Um, I'm a, you know, I like Gary V. I used to listen to his podcast a lot, digest um, a lot of his media. I've, I've got, you know, his books upstairs. Um, so I'm a big fan of Gary V. I know he has a lot to offer. I do, however, think anytime anyone has had Gary V on their podcast, that they've given him an easy ride. Like they'll, they'll let him give the sort of typical hustle answer do you know what i mean like the, the the same answer you would get from a grand cardone or a you know personal personal value speaker but i don't think anyone's really um challenged him uh, and and sort of taken him to his full potential that i know he has to offer so i'll look down the camera and say gary v come on the show and i will i will give you the greatest interview of your entire life i don't think you've been pushed to your potential yet i'm the man to do it so Gary V, um, if you want to provide value, if you want to, you know, produce something really meaningful, I'll do it with you. So I would say Gary V as well. I think someone needs to do a really good podcast with him. The, the call out has been uh, 
Shots are fired. <laughs> yeah, I, I, he's welcome on. I think that as well, a couple of other people, you're talking about like a Matthew Hussey, love to have Hussey on. Oh, Esther, sure. Esther Perel. She's she's uh, very good. Brene Brown. Brene Brown. I Tulsi, love Brene Brown. Tulsi Gabbard. Tulsi Gabbard. There's, like there's so many, man. There's so many. Um, but look, we've got a plethora of possibilities. We've got a hundred names to fill. Mm-hmm. Um, so as of recording this right now, I don't think I've got anyone that will be going out between episodes 200 and 300, maybe one or two, but you know, I've got almost 50 spots to fill and I'm going to try and make the most of those 50, 50 spots. Yeah. Same, you know, and just kind of like looking back, you know, it's for me personally, it's been so great, you know, to, to sit opposite someone like, uh, uh, Seth Godin to sit opposite uh, a Robert Green to sit opposite an Irvin Yalom. You know, I mean, one of the reasons why we implemented our last question, what makes a life worth living, was mm. because these were questions I was struggling with myself. I was going on walks thinking, you know, what is, what's the point of it all? And then suddenly I sit opposite this guy, this 89 year old existential psychotherapist. And he tells me, he says, look, you will feel less existentialism, less death anxiety when we're in pursuit of our goals and our potential. And I think that a major theme um, kind of for this show this year is how do I overcome that sense of existential dread? I know I'm going to die. And then there's also that voice which says, is what I'm doing meaningful to me? And they were questions like which which we went into and then it's been great for me as well to kind of answer these questions for myself joseph gamble said something like um people say that we're all seeking a meaningful life but actually what i think we're really seeking is an experience of being alive and i think that i think there's something in there you know, and it's been wonderful for me to kind of answer these philosophical questions and see how these answers kind of relate to my own life. Because just for you and me, I, I don't feel existential dread when I'm out on a walk, when I'm out on a hike, um, you know, when I'm recording a great podcast, when I'm in pursuit of a personal best at the gym or I'm working on a great project. I'm not asking myself, what's the meaning of it all? You know, but when I'm hungover, then perhaps maybe I am. When I'm having a lot of dead time, then, you know, maybe I'm asking myself these questions. If I'm really mean to someone, maybe I'm asking myself those questions. If I'm not being intentional, then I'm asking myself those questions. So I just think to myself that, we got this unbelievable gift of being able to ask the most fascinating people in the world fascinating questions that probably 90% of the time they, they really enjoy being asked. And I'm just grateful. I'm grateful, you know, for what we've done, for where it's going, for the people that listen, you know, for the, 
brilliant minds that listen and interact with us. What a ride. Thank you. Yeah, man. I mean, just a beautiful little bow you found the, the episode there because it does hit home. Obviously, when I'm when I'm recording a podcast, those, you know, those existential thoughts, they, they, they're so far out of my mind because I'm doing something that I, that that brings value. I'm doing something I'm serving, like I, I said about the monks. Um, you know, I, I'm doing something really meaningful. And I know to myself, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna have this really impactful conversation. And no matter what happens, whether I die tomorrow, I'm leaving this behind. Like yeah. I'm pouring this into the world and 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 hopefully I'm I'm leaving the world in somewhat of a better place than I found it. And I know that's really cliche, but at the end of the day, for me, whether you're writing a book or, or, or recording a podcast or even raising a family or, or, or anything like that, as long as you can say to yourself, look, I've played my part. I've put something out into the world. I've, you know, I've, I, I could, I've left something behind if I die today, then you can be at peace. And I think that one thing that you and me have, have tried to do as well is that we've tried to focus on timeless truths because the wise of every generation learns the same truth. Technology, lifespan, health, fitness, language, it all changes, but human nature doesn't. If you go back to read Epicurus or Marcus Aurelius, um, you know, or you go back to the dawn of human say of Homo sapiens three hundred and thirty thousand years ago, then these people they went through the same things that we did. Exactly the same. They went through the same things. They struggled with loneliness. They struggled with tribalism, um, and I think that that was one of the kind of greatest realizations for me is to kind of focus on timeless truths. And I would love to bring more timeless truths to the podcast focus and we talked about some of them today focus on what you can control uh be grateful in spite of your suffering um whatever problem is that you're solving without question someone else has solved it mm. you know read lindy books books that have stood the test of time well i do i love that you that you focused on this timeless truth thing and i and this isn't again we didn't we didn't say this beforehand but I think I'd like to think we can take that into the next 100 because you just instantly made me think of one of a conversation that really stuck. So I've had Neil Oliver on the show twice now. Um, the second one was quite um, more to do with uh, society and culture, but the first one was around his book called Wisdom of the Ancients. And it was about the lessons we can learn from Neanderthals and hominids of, you know, thousands of years gone back. And it's all these timeless truths, like, you know, they, they threw it back to the very first sort of form of what you could even call it relatable to a human. And they found these sort of um, these sites where they almost these fossils that look like funerals. So something like mourning has been there since the dawn of time. Like that's not something we've created. So that says that like, love and things like that that's not a a thing we've created that's way way back when and there's this beautiful another beautiful story in the book of of these footprints of of what looked to be a mother and two smaller sets of footprints so there was a, a family 
and then there were a set of predator footprints 100 meters away and the sort of mother footprints turned towards the predator footprints and the whereas the smaller ones stayed there and again that just shows and this this is going back tens and hundreds of thousands of years and it just shows that these these things that make us all humans of love and 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 you know affection and um you know looking out for one or each other that is that goes into the makeup of, of humans that's not something that's sort of man-made and constructed in the last couple of hundred years and so yeah you've really inspired me with that timeless truth so i, I like that i think episodes 200 to 300 i'm gonna try and focus on timeless truths because i love that yeah and, and also the thing i would i would just add a quick addendum to this is that when someone acquires timeless truths is that this this was another issue that i have with the kind of personal development space I, I talked about it at the start when i said you know be careful where your desire for self-improvement comes from where there's a difference between kind of conceptualizing an idea and also taking it to a level of action and i think that for instance this is rife within our space where people will, um, they'll become so intellectually bombarded down with ideas. And the classic one in, in our space you see is, is death, right? Mm. You know, whereas people will go, oh, you know, I'm reading the Stoics, man. I understand death, you know, right. Well, okay. Well, how are you going to take that to a level of action, right? It's, it's not enough to just understand that we're going to die. What are you going to do now that you, you, you really know that it's all going to end? You've, you've, you've conceptualized that it's going to end great. Now let's reverse engineer it back from your death. What kind of person do you want to be? How are you going to act like that person? What mm. kind of uh, life do you want to live before that? So I think that one thing that I've become definitely a lot better at could have been because of the podcast could have been the own personal work, which I've done, is that I've got a lot better at taking things to a level of action, right? And I think that is really where the gold is, is acquired these timeless truths that we've talked about. As we said, the wise of every generation, they acquire probably the same truth. But then take it to a level of action. Don't don't waste any time. Go and act. Yeah. And then that is that is my my message for... That's, that's really good because it makes me think of a lot of people that, you know, like you said, they've, you know, they've read a couple passages of Marcus Aurelius and they bought a coin from the Daily Stoic store and they automatically <laughs> think that's all the work done. Right. But if we relate it back to the top of the show, when I was talking about Darren O'Lean, that's the difference between looking for the quick fix and being the kind of person that does the work. And like you said, reverse engineer it to an actionable level. I... I agree, my friend. I agree. You know, so going forward, I would say, you know, we've talked a lot about everything which we've reflected on. Let's let's look to the future. What upgrades are we going to make to the show? Upgrades to the show? Um, well, I know we talked a lot about internally. I, we could spin this and talk about internally, but let's, let's just get straight to it. Let's talk externally. Camera upgrades microphone upgrades, production upgrades. 
I'm pretty sure it happens every time I record and it's going to happen when you export this video. So for everyone watching, you'll probably notice that my video goes very grainy. Um, it's due with an internet problem that I cannot seem to solve. I live in the part of the Welsh Valleys where internet reception is very hard to get. So that's a problem I'm, I'm currently trying to upgrade. So hopefully we can up that production value and, yeah. and bring in better cameras and bring in better microphones, really upgrade the, the production value um, because I think that's where it needs to go to next. I'm personally very happy content-wise. I think content-wise, I think we've honed our skills to the point where you know, I, I'm quite happy with the level of skill we're at. And I think the only thing that this show lacks in is production value. That's probably what holds it back from going to the next level. I agree. Upgrades in cameras, upgrades in sounds. I mean, there's been far too many issues like that for me. That's that's one thing I'd love to improve. And, uh, you know, to the people listening now, we, we see, you know, we hear, and we will, I think, in the next few months, you will see big, big improvements. You will see big improvements. For sure. And, like, that can go down to, to little things like, I'm going to try and get myself on a on some sort of a photoshopping course where I can even, you know, start to upgrade the thumbnails, um, you know, because I think I, and that's a big thing and uh, as well as the production value. So we're going to try our best over the next couple of months to really take it to the next level, hopefully. Um, you know, I, I, I'm a big believer of in the early stages of a business, which this is what two three years in we've only really been making money for less than a year let's be honest so i'm a big believer and it and it does at the moment but everything that comes in you know most of it should go back be put back into the show yeah like that's where you know any profits we make from this show will go into upgrading the production and, and bring in the, the better value on the whole so if anyone's got any tips advice or or requests feel free to Leave them in the comments or email at email us at freedompact@gmail.com. Anything that you think could help benefit the show, I'm all yours. Um, if someone wants to, you know, create thumbnails for me, that would that would that would be a help. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. But yeah, he's any, not. Anything, he's not. <laughs> anything. Um, anything that you think could help, please let us know. We are we're quite um, modest and humble in that respect. We know there's a lot of room uh, to progress in that area. Definitely. I think we've covered a lot today. Any closing messages, any other points of order you would like to address? Well, I looking at the time now, I think we've been running for what, an hour and a quarter. So I'm quite happy with that. Um, yeah, just 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 a big thank you for like I said mm. at the top of the show, I'll say it again, is it really is the the comments or the likes or the emails or everyone that signed up to the newsletter i know the newsletter hasn't really been active over the last few weeks um you know it, it does it is really hard to run the podcast a full-time job you know and something a little a little extra like the newsletter so it is quite hard but just thank you to everyone that that, that comments likes and shows their support it really does make everything everything worthwhile like you know those days where you wake up and you know you've got a day full of editing ahead it's hard to get out of bed and turn the laptop on and start cutting and mixing and mastering the sound and 
it, it's a long process. So those little messages go such a long way. And that's why, yeah, anyone that comments on this video, like I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send you a, a book, whether it's a, a brand new book off Amazon or one off my bookshelf that I think you personally will enjoy. I'm going to try and get something to everyone. Um, probably more so in the UK. Um, I comment. What's that? Sorry. Can I comment? You can comment. I give you enough free books over the years. <laughs> um, um, yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll try my best to, to take care of that. Um, that would be my message. Just a, just a big thank you to, to everyone who, who's listened and to all the, to all the guests and all the friends we've made through the show so far. And here's to the next 200. Here's to the next 200. Well, I think uh, we're going to leave you there. Thank you, as always, my friends. This was a pleasure. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. Plenty, plenty more coming. You're going to see a lot more from the Freedom Pack boys. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. And as always, we will see you on Monday for a brand new episode.